Good morning. How are you all doing today? Good, 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 good. I tell you what, it's been a hot week at the Shackle household. Um, Kylie and I do not have AC. All right, we haven't had AC for what, six years now that we've lived in the house? And I made the call yesterday that we're getting AC. So, because, <laughs> yeah, I know. That is, yes, yes. <laughs> so, um, you know, I feel like every time I get up here, uh, I just kind of do like a yearly update on how my life is doing, right? Like, what is God doing in my life this year um, as compared to the last year? And you know what? It's been a great year, uh, and I can't wait to share uh, just a little bit about what's been going on, um, what, what God's been doing in my life, what he's been chiseling away, and, uh, and just ultimately, guys, I just want to share my heart with you guys and hope that you get something from me today um, that, that maybe gives a little bit different perspective. So <clears throat> I'm going to go ahead and pray, and then we'll, uh, we'll hit the ground rolling here. So uh, Heavenly Father, Lord, just thank you um, for this weather. I know it's hot, all right, Lord? I know that um, when you're sitting in 90-degree heat and you're trying to do a sermon and you are sweating on your computer, Lord, it, it can get to you, um, Lord. But we just thank you for that. We, th- we thank you for the weather. We thank you for the rain last night, Lord. Um, you know, our comfort, it's, it's, it's nothing. You, you desire us to have comfort, Lord, but, but, Lord, you also desire us to have a heart for you, Lord. And that's just, that's just awesome. We love you, um, Lord. We just praise you. We thank you so much for wanting to have a relationship with us, Lord. And just the next 20, 30 minutes, Lord, just speak through me. Allow me to um, share what you've laid on my heart. And, uh, and just, Lord, that, that we can open up our hearts and minds to what's being said. Uh, it's your name we pray. Amen. So, um, being that uh, a few days ago we celebrated our nation's birthday, right, our nation's freedom, I think it's, it's kind of fitting to start with like a little brief history of that, right? Especially since today uh, I, I entitled, look at that, I entitled the, um, I didn't make that by the way, thank you Haley, you rock, all right, I entitled our sermon um, Freedom or Living from Freedom, um, and so, you know, from I'm, I'm just going to get into a little history here. So from 1757 to 1763, Great Britain and France were engaged in a series of battles which came to be known as the uh, French and Indian War. Some of you guys might know it as the Seven Years' War, right? Um, during this time, English and French were battling for colonial domination. They wanted to control the 13 original colonies uh, over here in the new world that they discovered, right? And ultimately, Great Britain won. But it came at a very staggering cost. Like, it left Great Britain in a great debt. It cost a lot of money to win a war across two continents, right? And so um, that, this debt nearly destroyed the English do- government. Um, in response to that debt, Great Britain began to impose a series of taxes um, and unfavorable living conditions on the original colonists, right? Um, some of those taxes would be taxes on molasses, the Sugar Act, right? Um, taxes, or yeah, so uh, regulation on the type of currency that could be spent in the United States. Taxes on printed material, taxes on um, glass, lead, tea, paint, coffee, fur, um, you name it, the English taxed it. They're trying to get as much money as possible from the colonists in order to help build that debt up right? Um, And then unfavorable living conditions, uh, without question, the original colonists had to um, provide food and or shelter if in need to English soldiers, right? The Quartering Act, right? So I don't know about you, but Britain imposing their will on the colonists led to increased 
tension. If I had a series of imposed taxes that I felt weren't just, and I had to provide food and shelter for people that maybe I didn't quite disagree with, I might not like what's going on, right? I don't know about you. So, Britain imposing their will on the colonists led to increased tension in colonists and colonists and the government over 3,000 miles away, and they finally kind of had enough, right? Does anybody kind of know the slogan that goes with that? That? No? You'll know it as I say it. What? Yeah, mom knew it. I didn't even share it with her. Yeah, so no taxation without representation, right? This is not right. You know, one of my favorite historical um, uh, 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 quotes, okay, what? Okay, she's, I know, she's so proud of herself right now. (laughs) She is, oh my goodness. Yeah, 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 she did. (laughs) So, one of my favorite here is uh, from Thomas Paine, uh, one of my favorite quotes from this time period. There is something very absurd in supporting a continent to be perpetually governed by an island, right? I love that. I love that. I'm, yeah, I'll read it again. There is something very absurd in supporting a continent to be, or supposing, sorry, supposing a continent to be perpetually governed by an island, And so finally, that tension burst in 1775 when the first bloodshed occurred at Lexington and Concord, right? Uh, That 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 period became known as the catalyst, or that was the catalyst for like one of the greatest breakup stories ever. Okay, Um, and so without, I'm not going to go into great detail like American Revolution. It's a history book. Go look it up in eighth grade, right? Over the next year, the events that unfolded led to a group of like-minded men to issue a document declaring our independence from Great Britain. Finally, in in, uh, 1783, with the signing of the Treaty of Paris, the American colonies gained their independence. So even though the declaration was signed, uh, drafted and signed in 1776, that's when we we say that (coughs) we have our uh, nation's independence, it took years of fighting to gain that independence, right? And so, you know, I have to say, I love history. You know, if you talk to me, uh, I, I do. I love history. I love learning about historical events. I love watching documentaries. My wife does not so much, right? Um, and, and I also have the pre- privilege to teach ancient history, Right? But I really do, I really do, I have a special place in my heart for American history. Um, it, it's personal, it's relevant to my life, right? It lays the foundation for why I love uh, my, my amazing, beautiful country, right? I don't know about you guys, but I love this country. Like, there's a sense of pride that comes from uh, my life in this country. But I think one of the greatest reasons why I love learning about the United States Road to Freedom is because it reminds me of another one so near and dear to my heart, right? Um, See, everything, so even though the colonists declared independence, it required many years of battle to earn it. And so bear with me, I got another story here. For the longest time, I gave allegiance, me personally, I gave allegiance to a ruler who lost everything going into war with God. This ruler did not have my best interests in mind. And while I, did live in his, while I didn't live in his land, his presence resided in me. I let him govern my life. 
I let him make the rules. I allowed him to impose his will on my behavior, my actions, my mindset, time and time again without really questioning what was going on. As time passed, tensions rose. Kind of interesting how this parallels, right? I no longer wanted to be controlled by a ruler who only strived for personal gain. I didn't want to be ruled by somebody from a different island. In 2007, a trinity of like-minded individuals, Father, Son, Holy Ghost, waged war against the crippling tyranny of sin in my life and declared independence from Satan. See, Satan's grip on my life had taken me down a path of hopelessness. I don't even know where this is coming from. (laughs) I'm like just getting started. I just turned the first page. and All right. Hopelessness, heartache, and shame. And while there have been many internal battles, breaking free from that oppression has never felt better than it has in the last year. And while America celebrated its 243rd birthday the past week, I celebrate 12 years of my own liberation. So, I know that's not like Jim Kersian time frame, but, you know, (laughs) 12 12 years is a long time, right? All right. So, you know what? Even without going into detail on my story, I'd be willing to bet you ask anyone in this congregation, there's similar stories, right? There's ample similar stories throughout the congregation that share in this road to freedom. And even though many of us declared freedom a long time ago, we're still battling battles in that war, right? We've We've declared our independence, but there's still battles to be fought. And when you think about it, freedom... Oh, freedom is such an amazing concept to grasp. And it rolls off the end of our tongue, you know, so easily. I'm free, you know, and we are. But I would also question, how free are we? How free are you? If you ask the question, how free am I? You know, what would you say? You know, really think about it. How free am I? I'm not going to go into a political debate here. Don't worry, all right? I'm not going to go into, you know, Democrat, Republican, blah. I'm not even getting into that, all right? But it is a serious question. Here's a a couple more. When was the last time you looked at your bank account and didn't wish you had more? Okay? When was the last time you you looked at a health and fitness magazine and we're displeased with your progress. When was the last time you watched HGTV and didn't want a newly remodeled house? <laughs> right? All right, side note. <clears throat> I'm not a Chip and JoJo fan. I'm sorry. I know that's like sacrilege. I know, I know, blasphemy, right? All right. I, I like them. I like them. But, man, I'm not like, uh, you know, whew. Chip and JoJo. I am, however, a Ben and Aaron Napier fan from hometown. They have an amazing Christian story. Not that Chip and JoJo don't, but, man, you can really just see their heart when they share. So if I can turn you on to something else, hometown is a better route. No, it's kidding. Um, another question, you know, how about when we post that carefree, that happy smile version of ourselves on social media, Right? Because the picture shows you what you want people to see, but then behind that picture, you know, what, what is there? Usually regret, dissatisfaction, broken individuals, a fake smile, forced fake smile, right? 
And so when I ask those questions, how free are we? You know, yeah, we're free. But ultimately, we slap on chains that bind us to, to certain societal prisons, right? We do. I'm guilty of it, right? A lot of these cause great strain in relationship on, on, on our relationship with Christ and with others. And isn't it interesting how a person's mind and perception of something has the capacity to paralyze and imprison them, right? It can imprison them socially, emotionally, and even physically at times, right? Pastor Shane has touched on this um, multiple times throughout the Upside Down Kingdom series, discussing the image that we try to present, trying to make others believe that we are better off than what we really are, not content with what we have, not pleased with where we are at in life, always looking to what's next, what's better, right? Those are prisons. Those are prisons, is that freedom? No, I just gave you the answer. It's that the li- is that the life that God has intended you to live? Is that the life that God has intended me to live? Or is there something more? In Galatians 5, it says that it is for freedom that Christ sets us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to the yoke of slavery. It is for freedom that Christ sets us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to the yoke of slavery. Or a few verses later where it says that as brothers and sisters in Christ, we are called to be free and to not use that freedom to indulge in the flesh. Or in 1 Peter 2.16, where the Bible tells us to live as free people, but do not use your freedom as a cover-up for evil. Right? Three different verses. Speaking on, you are called to be free. You are called to live free. Stand firm in that freedom. You are free, period, right? So when we accept Jesus as our Lord and Savior, the, Lord, the work is done, period. There's no more that you can do. When you say, Christ, you are mine and I am yours, boom, free. Whew. Nothing else. I could stop right there, right? But that's only like 13 minutes and we can't do that. Second right. Corinthians 5.17 says, If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. You, okay, you have been given the green light to go and live a life free of sin's grasp on your life. The moment you accept Christ, you've been given that green light to go and live free of sin's grasp on your life. And isn't it interesting how perfectly the, clear the Bible is on what uh, true freedom means? Yet we have this unbelievable innate ability to play it down. Like somehow, even though, our, uh, even though Christ has set us free, he didn't really mean like we're free. He's provided the moral and ethical way, but, you know, we're, we're just human. You know, we can't like truly be free, right? I've been guilty of it. Time and time again, I've been, guilty, I've been guilty of it more times than I can count. I proclaim freedom, I get trapped in sin. Proclaim freedom, get trapped in sin. On and on. And to steal a quote or a lyric from uh, KB, right? I, my idols are mimicking Jesus. I bury my sin and three days it's back up again. Right? That's so true. Right? So true. Instead of living the free life that God has intended me for to live uh, when I accepted his son, Jesus Christ, and the work that he did on the cross. It's nothing I can do. And so many Christians today are living for 
that freedom rather than living from that freedom. And I got to say, uh, I got to give props to Shane Tyus for, for introducing me to, me to that, right? Because that's a truth that I, I've heard, but I didn't really hear, right? So many Christians today are living for freedom instead of living from freedom. Because remember, the minute you accept Christ, you are free. Go and live from that freedom, right? And so some of you may be asking, well, what, okay, what does that look like, right? And to be honest, I can't answer the question outright for you. The reason I can't is because everyone has something different, some type of vice, some type of mental blockage, some type of physical blockage, whatever it is that you're bound to. I can't answer what it is that, that will set you free, but I can share a little bit about what it was that needed to set me free, right? And so I want to take a little bit of time here, share what God's been doing in my life, your yearly update on Justin Shackle, right? <laughs> so when I spoke last year, I publicly challenged myself to focus more on drawing near um, to, the, to God the Father and be intentional about pre- uh, being present with him. And I have to tell you, it's been awesome. It's been amazing. Uh, it's been a wonderful ride. But... It's a big but. But accepting and becoming the man that God has called me to be has not been the easiest journey, right? It has not been the easiest journey. And a lot of times, those, uh, those great, wonderful transformation, lifestyle transformation, that's never easy, right? It's never just a, a flip of the switch and, oh, we're done. Uh, like I'm, I'm, I've arrived, right? It's not that way. Um, and this is where... And this is where, I, like, there are times where I wanted to throw, a, throw in the towel. And, and really, if it wasn't support the Kylie, who is awesome, my family, my friends, my church, you guys, um, I, mean, I may have t- tossed in the towel. I might have just said, you know what? I've accepted Christ. I'm just going to do that nice thing. I'm just going to kind of show up on Sunday, listen to Shane, make myself feel good. And then, you know, that's about it. Right? I could have done that. And I, and I got to say, our life group has, has really been a huge blessing in Kylie and I's life. And really, I mean, the guys in our life group, not women, you're awesome too. All right? You guys are awesome too, wherever. All right? But, man, the last, the last series that we did, we broke up with guys and girls. And, um, man, it's just, it was so awesome just to, to learn from and glean from the men in my life group and just p- them pouring into me and me pouring out to them. It was such a great experience. And I got to say, if you're not in a life group, I'm not going to call you out, but if you're not in a life group, you need to get plugged in, period. You do. You do. You don't, you may not realize it, but there is something to be said about meeting in small groups with fellow Christians and what it can do for your faith, all right? So over the last year, there have been a handful of areas where God has been speaking to me about the freedom he wants in my life. And, and I want to preface this with, with, in reality, like a lot of this has taken place in the last six months um, with, when two major events occurred. First, Shane started preaching on the upside-down kingdom. If you have been here for the message of the upside-down kingdom, then hopefully it has impacted your life and transformed your life. If it hasn't, I, I don't know. You might need to, be, like, wake up. Night me to wake up, all right? 
All right, I'm not, I don't want to call, like, make you guys feel bad or anything, but wake up. All right, secondly, <laughs> secondly, our life group started um, the Heart of Man series, all right? Um, has anybody seen the Heart of Man series? Okay, life groups, there you go. And now it's, even though it says Heart of Man, right, it doesn't mean male, it's just humankind, okay? Um, and it's so good, so good, so good, so good. Um, but in the video itself, William Paul Young, the author of The Shack, makes a statement. And he says that there is a longing inside all of us to belong. The hope that there is the table somewhere that we might actually be comfortable at in our own skin. We don't have to hide. We don't have to have our secrets. And we're designed for that. We're designed for that longing. We're designed for that table. We're designed for that community. We're designed to have that brotherhood, right? And in the Heart of Man study guide, there's an excerpt that speaks volumes to the crossroads where I was at in my life. And I, and I actually posted this on Instagram a handful of months ago. And I, Shane, I'm going to bring you up again. You posted this yesterday. You posted this yesterday. How fitting. It's God works in awesome ways, right? He works in awesome ways. So here's what it says. It's so good. You have a choice to continue in the lie that you've been buying. If you see yourself as a safe sinner, you will always believe you are a disappointment to the Father. If you trust your assessment of yourself, you will act out of that assessment. You'll never be enough, and you will give yourself permission to fail over and over again. Because that's what someone like you does. You have to hide. You have to pretend. You have to wear masks. And it gets stronger and worse and more intense, and it costs the people around you. Or you can make a different choice for moments at a time to trust who God says you are. You are new. You are righteous. You are for already forgiven. You are his beloved. Inside of you dwells righteousness, holiness, cleanliness, power, beauty. Jesus did this. Jesus did this, all, all that rewriting, the day you trusted him on the cross. That's the choice you have before you. And it's scary to believe. It's hard to to trust it could be true. It's hard uh, for you to dare risk it because you see your own behavior. So you have to no longer trust your assessment of yourself and instead make the incredible gambling, daring decision that he's right, that God's right, that that's who you are. Whew. Boom. Mic drop, right? The day you trusted him on the cross, not the day you got your crap together, Right? Not that day. How many people do we know? Oh, man, I, I, I like the idea of Christianity. I like the idea, but, man, I just got to get myself right before I can do that, right? Not the day you get your crap together. Not the day when you get enough courage to confess your sins. Not the day when, you, when your bank account hits that number. Not when you get those six-pack abs. Not when your house looks like a better home and gardens magazine, right? To bring that back full circle, right? The day you trusted him on the cross, you became righteous, holy, clean, beautiful, powerful, and most importantly, you became free. And for moments at a time, and I got to tell you, I'm, this is what I'm learning, right? This is what I'm learning. It's not instant. I didn't think I was one of those millennials who wanted instant gratification, right? But I, I do fall into that a little bit, right? For moments at a time. I'm learning to live from 
that freedom. For moments at a time, I'm learning to be a better husband. For moments at a time, I'm learning to be a better father. For moments at a time, I'm learning to be a better son, a better friend, a better listener. For moments at a time, I'm learning to become the guy, the man that God says I am. Right? I am who he says I am. <sighs> For moments at a time. And this is what God's been really working out in my life. And I, I, there's just two areas I want to highlight. I feel like I'm going slow. I slowed down, but now I feel like I'm like behind the clock now. All right? I <laughs> should have really kept going quick. All right. So two areas um, for me, deceit and shame. I mean, hands down, deceit and shame. And it's funny because there are two, these are relatively recent. But these are the two that I've been holding on to for the longest. Okay, and I want you to understand that. The reason I'm going to talk about these two is because these were the hardest two for me to really grasp and understand that God is calling me to be free from these. Deceit and shame. All right, they're the ones who carry the most weight. They could hold the most tension, right? When you talk about something holding tension, like you could bend this and twist it and wrap it and tie it, and it wasn't breaking. It required God's strength to really push it over that edge, right? So for me, the answer to that question that I ask you, um, what are you free from, free from deceit, or I guess in this case, free to be honest, a couple weeks ago, Pastor Shane read from Matthew 5, 33 through 37, and I have to tell you, like, I was wrecked by that sermon, and that's what I mean when I say, if you have not been wrecked by one of those sermons, ugh, man, you need to wake up, um, but I was wrecked by this sermon um, because he finally made a connection to something that wasn't right in my life, and this particular message on deceit spoke volumes. Shane said that there were five areas where people lie. They try to maintain a certain image. They try to please people, pleasure and comfort, financial gain, strategic advantage over someone. Those are the five areas. And so very recently, I had been hiding the fact that I started chewing tobacco from my wife again, right? And a lot of you guys, like, chewing tobacco? I'm like, okay, what's wrong with that? Like, that's uh, fair enough. You know what? It's not good for your oral health, but ultimately, it's not going to discredit you from the kingdom of heaven, right? It's, it's a sin, but really that? And, and if you're asking that question, you're not, you didn't hear me correctly, all right? Because it's not the action of chewing tobacco. It's the lie. It's the lie. It's the deceit. I had hid something from my wife that I initially made her believe that I was no longer participating in, okay? So it's not the action, it's the deceit, it's the lie. And don't worry, this is not how she's finding out, right? <laughs> I, I promise, I promise, this is not how she's finding out, all right? <laughs> so, um, but yeah, so uh, it wasn't the action, it was the secrecy behind the action. So for the past seven years, my wife believed that I no longer partook in this habit. And for four or five of those years, I hadn't. I quit. Um, but stress builds. Crisis happens. Family division occurs, right? Our family had a major division three years ago. And this is really one that, that stemmed from that. Um, family division. Marriage gets tough, if you didn't know. Homeownership is really difficult when you own a 120-year-old house. Parenthood is really hard. 
It's, it's, it's really hard. For those of you who have more than two, three, one kid, it's hard. Yeah, yeah. But, oh, bless, bless you people who have more. Um, parenthood, being passed up on career opportunities, right? And I've shared that with a handful of you guys. I've, I always considered myself I was going to be this uh, lifetime coach, right? And I got passed up in the last year, and I was just like, okay. And that's where kind of things just started to, like, really click. Grad school, blah, 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 you, you name it. I could give you a list, whatever it is. I started chewing again, okay? So the challenges became too great. I hadn't learned to give it to God. I broke, started chewing again, all right? And I was trying to maintain that image, just like Shane was talking about. I wanted to please my wife. It was for my pleasure and comfort. I wasn't hurting her. She didn't know about it. I needed something to relieve that stress. That was it, right? It wasn't hurting her. It was only hurting me. Um, Comfort and release. I couldn't let her know I was so weak. I'm the man. I have to be the leader of the house. If she knew I was chewing again, ooh, it'd be detrimental, right? I broke her trust, and I bought into the lie that, that it's just better if she didn't know. And so I, I kept it a secret for three years. For three years, I kept it a secret. I'm sure there's a handful of other people that knew I was chewing, but they probably didn't know I was keeping it a secret from my wife. But I was. Uh, in Colossians 3, 9 through 10, it states, Do not lie to one another, seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices and put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. 1 Peter 3, 10 through 12, Whoever desires to love life and sees good days, let him keep his tongue from evil and his lips from speaking deceit. Let him turn away from um, evil and good. Let him seek peace and pursue it, for the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and his eyes are open to prayer. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. Right? The second area where uh, drawing closer to our Heavenly Father has really caused me to learn this freedom is in shame. And when we look at shame, uh, we have to define it. We have to find what the root is. I found that shame, that the shame we feel when we mess up is often in direct relation, in direct correlation with the relationship we have with our earthly father or our parental guardian, right? When we do wrong, an overwhelming of fear enters in that we have let those closest to us down. And when that sets in, we feel shame, Right? I'm sure that you can pinpoint somewhere in your life where you broke the rules and you had to answer to your parental guardian, right? And automatically, guilt and shame come in. But that's not who God has called you to be. That's not the life that God has intended for you. Sure, there are times when we will fall short of the glory. That's fact, but that shouldn't paralyze you. I fully believe that when you accept Jesus Christ in your life, you are clothed in righteousness, Therefore, we should be confident that when we sin, there is mercy and grace. There is love. There is compassion. There is no condemnation. You are free. That is something I battled with. I've always believed that my feeling of shame is the result of my love uh, for Christ. And the reason that I feel shame is because I didn't want to let him down. Right? I'm going to try to say that again. Like, I felt shame because I loved Jesus Christ so much that when I messed up, I didn't want to let him down, and that's why I felt that shame. But that couldn't be further from the truth. Another excerpt from the Heart of Man 
Um, this actually, actually, it's quoted in the Heart of Man, but it's from Stacy Eldridge in the, free to, the book Free to Be Me. Shame does not lead us to God. It actually drives us further away from his kind, merciful, and good heart. Shame is not a sign of repentance, nor will it usher in the growth we long for. We do become even more ourselves as we repent of areas in our lives that have nothing to do with faith or love. But God does not live in a perpetual state of disappointment over who we are. I needed to hear that. Berating ourselves uh, for our flaws and our weaknesses only serve to undermine our strength to become. And what she means is to become free to be ourselves um, for... Free, sorry, I skipped a line. Free to be the person God intends us to be. Repenting from our sin is essential. Beating ourselves up for sinning is no longer an option. I needed to hear that. God invites us to join him in the process whereby he heals our inner world so he can transform our outer world. And the process of deep, heart, from, from the heart healing, growth, transformation, and freedom begins when we believe we are loved, not when we believe we're letting someone down. And the Bible says, for godly grief produces a repentance that leads to salvation without regret, whereas worldly grief produces death. Worldly grief produces death. See, the love of God is absolutely intentional. It's all out reckless. Our scripture passage from Luke discusses that, uh, the parable of lost sheep. All right? And I'm not going to go ahead and read it for time's sake. Um, I've already gone over, and I apologize. But to make it personal... Okay, to make it very personal for the story of the lost sheep, I'm that lost sheep, right? I, I had made that declaration from, of independence, but I was still lost. I'm still battling those things that I was battling when I, when I became free. I was lost, and I was living for that freedom rather than from that freedom. God saw me, a lost believer in need, in need of intervention, right? A lost believer in need of intervention. He pursued me. He endured the lies. Every time I failed to confess, there he was. Every time guilt and shame set in, there he was. His love hunted me down. His whisper, beating at the door of my heart, speaking gently. And and it's gently, be free. Be free. Live free. Live from that freedom I've called you to live from. Be free. Right? Live like I've called you to live. There's no prison. You're not shackled. He's my name. <laughs> I actually said, you know, you know chains on you, but shackled sound better. <laughs> right? You're not in prison. Be free. And once I listened, that tension-breaking moment, once I listened, I quit resisting. When I finally gathered up enough courage to share that I, what I had been hiding with my wife, I finally understood what that meant to live confident and free, the, God, the, the man that God has intended me to be, right? My wife is so awesome. Last time I was up there, up here, I like, I didn't realize it, but I like picked on my wife, all right? Unintentionally picked on my wife. My wife is awesome, And if you disagree, you and I are going to have words. But there was no condemnation. There was no harsh words. There was no argument. She just looked at me with love, with acceptance, with forgiveness, right? Sure, she didn't like it, but she knew that 
I had been battling with this for a long time, and that wasn't the right response. The response is how my Heavenly Father responded when I gave my life to him too. Perfect love. When we confess our, our sins, when we repent, when we pursue a more Christ-like life, we are met with perfect love, and we are given, as I said before, that green light to live from the freedom that God has given you. I, I, I just want to invite you into that, right? If you are sitting here and you are living for that freedom, I got to tell you, you're already free. Start living from that freedom, right? And that's what it means. It's the, easy, it's the easiest yet most difficult concept to understand. Trust me, I've battled with it, right? And the more I learn to live from that freedom, the more I understand that God um, is deeply committed to unbelievable transformation in my life. And he's not going to um, give up on my life. He's not going to quit chiseling away at my, my life until he sees his son, right? That's what I got for you. So I invite you to that. I'm going to go ahead and pray. The worship band's going to come up. We're going to do some awesome song, and we're going we're gonna to pronounce our freedom, right? But Heavenly Father, um, Lord, we just thank you so much for today again. Lord, thank you for the fact that we are free. From the moment we accepted you into our life, we became free individuals, confident to live in you. Lord, that's not to say that we're not going to mess up, but that is to say that we have the confidence that when we mess up, we respond appropriately to that sin. Lord, we thank you so much for your love for us. And we just pray, 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 pray that, that we can learn to live from that freedom that you've given us, from the work that you've done on the cross. In your name we pray, amen.